0: Welcome to the in Vino Fab podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Patrice. InVinoFabulum means in wine story, and there are so many tales that need to be told about women from all walks of life and their communities paired with wine, of course. The InVinoFab pod is a place to learn and a space to share stories about work, interests, passion projects, issues, and random wine facts. On this episode of in Vino Fab, we're joined by Dr. Josie Alquist. Josie is a digital engagement and leadership researcher, speaker, and author. She teaches teens, young adults, education professionals, and campus executives how to humanize technology tools and prioritize building online community. Josie serves as a research associate instructor at Florida State University, creating curriculum to build digital literacy and leadership skills for undergraduates up to doctoral level students. Her new book, Digital Leadership in Higher Education, Purposeful Social Media in a Connected World, was listed as an Amazon number one new release for college and university student life. It was an honor to bring Josie on the pod because she's not only a professional colleague, but a personal friend. And I think what she shared about her own consulting experiences, having a small business, and what it means in this time of the pandemic hits home for many of you. They're asking these questions about what should I be doing next should I start my own small business or what's the reality of having your own LLC in times like this I'm so grateful for her candid conversation and I hope and think you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I had having it with Josie enjoy well welcome to the of pod Josie good to have you
1: it's good to be here
0: um so thank you for taking time to chat today absolutely I'll always (laughs) chat with you that's, hey, that's your fault then. So I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something I, I wanted to invite you to talk with us a little bit today for our listeners and it's something you know a lot about is living your best life as a consultant. Um, you do a number of things independently, as I mentioned in your introduction, speaker, blogger, writer, author, podcaster. Are you crafter as well? Like you should have other like errs on your website. What else do you do, Josie? <laughs>
1: crafter that's one that's probably I feel like I should like I was kind of forced into sewing as a kid like in 4-H and I feel like I've like fought against those things now like I do have a sewing machine it's like in in storage though so I mean yeah I'm sure I could come up with other dog mama there
0: you Um, go well I do want you bust out that uh sewing machine uh We are recording this end of 2020. It is now 2021 when you're listening to it. So you probably could still be sewing. Uh, We're still in a pandemic. Yeah. I
1: had to hem my own pants often when I was like really trying to save money. So that is why I had my own sewing machine.
0: (laughs) Smart. I like it. Frugality and uh, ingenuity. Very good. Well, and I would say that kind of talks a little bit about how you've led your business, it sounds like. And I know that um, as we record end of year, and this is the start of the new year. um, How has consulting life been like for you? Real talk in these uh, COVID-19 times.
1: Well, I would consider myself an accidental entrepreneur. I I definitely have the identity of educator. Um, I was getting my doctorate and had all the intentions to go back to a campus or maybe do faculty or research. And I mean, the both, I think that's what fused the two of us as we were kind of surviving in that doc uh, life together and found each other on Twitter. Um, and the consulting and speaking kind of grew from there. And that was, I guess, a, a, unofficially started in 2014. And I feel like I'm still getting myself together today. Um, because the other part of being, I guess, a consultant or an entrepreneur is you always have to be evolving. And and, and and I'm totally down for that, always wanting to learn. But part of that is like, you really do need to fail fast and move forward which even when you work within higher education which doesn't always work like that for example like writing a book for 4 years like a good entrepreneur would probably have moved faster than that. <laughs> or that's also again just like how it's kind of baked in with me so um so I started speaking about social media I thought primarily I was going to be talking to to college students because I came from student affairs and that was what my research was on I was really passionate about helping them Navigate in a um, in an authentic way because still students get their finger someone's finger wagged at them for how they use technology. Um, but most recently, like in COVID times, um, while I still t- quote unquote take the stage through Zoom, uh, actually I just presented to a uh, conference in Australia and New Zealand to residence life professionals which is cool to get to do that right it just takes like an hour or two out of my day and you know zoom me wherever but i'm finding and i always was feeling this when i would get on a stage and you know give everything i have and of course as an educator i'm giving them way too much probably <laughs> also a lesson learned um but i think the consulting piece is needed way more not just like let me give you my pretty slides and these tweetable quotes but like I need to get my elbows into this work to actually make it stick. So I'm not trying to like minimize my my ability as a speaker and minimize that business, but I think what we're finding this year is we can know all the information we need, but we actually need the people willing to again get their elbows and knees and ankles dirty to do the work and make hard decisions or do innovative stuff and that's always what I've loved and where I when I worked on a campus, I felt sometimes like a a black sheep a little bit, like because I was ready to move and I would see opportunities and was always told to like slow down or like, that's not possible. Um, so I feel really lucky to do this work and I get asked a lot about it, but it also is really, really hard and mm-hmm. I'm willing to dig into that. And not like it's, it is hard work, but it's uh, it's another type of like emotional almost like spiritual labor that I don't think is talked about a lot. And especially as women um, that, you know,
0: I'm, I'm happy to chat more about. Okay. We got a lot to get into. Yes. Good, great. This is where I want to get talk to you about. I will say, for those who have not heard one of Josie's talks, she is a really impassionate educator speaker. I could tell that, like how you train people and talk about the things you you do want them to think and apply and workshop things and work it out. And um, I think that's some space where people see you because you talk in different ways, whether it's a keynote, um, a short talk, a Zoom talk, or a podcast. But you really are trying to think more and um, get. Those lessons applied, and then shift the envelope. And it's hard in a culture, and my experience from higher ed and academia, it's a big ship that is really hard to turn in a new direction. And I'm, I'm wondering, like um, sometimes there's like waves and currents and icebergs, or even like a dock you can't turn that boat around in. Um, it is really hard because you sound like, and I know you are, an agile person who's thinking innovatively to the next steps. How have you been steering folks these times in this year? Because I think much of what you talk about when it talks about like digital leadership, online engagement, communication, just working with communities, how has that shifted this year for kind of the conversations you're having with campuses, colleagues, peers?
1: I think the root of a lot of my work, I may not have called it this, but I've always encouraged humanity and humanizing these tools, whether you're sending an email or, I mean, even face-to-face, how we show up in meetings. And I know there's lots of nuances with that, with privilege and power and position. And I think that's a that's important conversation to have as well. But if we at least can't say this is a value that we have to use a tool, not just for like, for example, Twitter, for promotions or just for information um, that we're actually trying to reach human beings on the other side of Twitter to like recognize that um, rather than again, like just kind of twisting it and using it for just one, one element or just assuming it's only bots and negativity on Twitter. Like I don't want to go down the path of toxic positivity But I have found in higher ed, we are very quick to find the problems. Uh, I mean, that is like literally the pursuit of education is yourself, you know, like you're investigating issues and you're questioning and uh, all those things are so important. But um, I think with with social, we've missed the boat and the opportunity a little bit. So I think the lessons learned this year, um, and that's why I try to feature leaders often is they can't, they do have their hands a little bit more on the rudder and the the wheel to maybe shift it a little bit quicker. Um, not that I'm not invested in new professionals, mid-level or faculty, but I literally, some of my research has found if you can get a president or a vice president showing up, authentically on these platforms it'll have a very strong ripple effect throughout the whole campus and organization so that's where my time has been spent is to give them permission to be authentic but also give them examples like showing up on a video this last year versus just sending email after email has been much more received and actually something as simple as showing up on a video wasn't a commonplace, And it still isn't for some leaders. They think that's crossing a boundary. They're not comfortable on video. Um, but again, the goal is you want to actually emotionally connect with someone on the other side of the screen. Um, and so again, trying to give them permission for that.
0: I think you say it well as you actually want to put your values into the work that you're doing and I I can only imagine um as you work with folks and peers across campuses those values are showing up that I would hope that you want to express that it's okay to fail and we we don't in education allow that like that's not the culture failure is frowned upon not talked about and often swept under the rug and I'm wondering um What do you do in those conversations where they aren't comfortable being on a screen or hearing their voice or doing something outside of the box? What are some things that you typically think about when you work with um, leaders of any level?
1: Yeah, it is a double-edged sword in education where we are literally evaluated based upon um, education, you know, like faculty have literally a list of things they need to complete, right? Right boxes you have to check to move to the next level. And so when we apply that framework to especially like social media, things get really confusing because what is the metrics of success or even do I need to be on these tools? And honestly, it is way simpler to show up very controlled and and not speak out about your values, especially if it feels like it it even wanders a little bit away from maybe a safe place or something that might have conflict or controversy. Um, And that's why I just use values very generally, because I'm also not saying you need to become, you know, this person that is putting out all of like, you're changing the world in every single, you know, like, Your value could be your family or where you came from um, or how much being a – you love to read books and these are the books that are transforming your life and that you think other people should be. like. So I also try to give – let's also simplify it. You and and a selfie of your dog, your community is going to celebrate. And so then the next post or the next email you send out that maybe is more serious, that has a date, deadline, or something, you've added a little bit more social credit to um that relationship. Um, and that that's the other root of the work is let's look at these tools as relationship building. Um with the intent to connect with another human being, right? Not all of them. Um, and they all, and and, and relationships aren't, aren't always perfect and pretty, right? So-
0: yeah, it's hard to put yourself out there, and you and I have talked um, offline many a times of what you share, and it's the goal is to build a rapport, and it, it's funny, you and I have experienced going to a conference or an event, you know, remember those old times we used to gather in person without a mask <laughs> and could be really close together and hug? Oh, yeah. um, those times people said, well, you are who you are online, I'm really surprised, and the authentic self, I hate to use that word, because not everyone can bring their whole self online, um, but some of us have those affordances and I have the privilege to do so myself. Um, but it's, it's not always an easy thing for people and showing up and them getting to know, even if it's a slice of you, is still okay. I don't think it's okay. Like if you feel like you may not be safe in some public digital squares, then um, that's okay too. I, I think there's a fine balance, like you said, of um, what you share, what you don't and how you want to live your best life. And now that we're in a pandemic, how you may need to like take away the screen or the social space online and, or what that looks like might look different now. Yeah.
1: One, well, I think the important thing is you're actually having discernment about it. You are thinking and it's self-awareness as mm-hmm. a human, as a leader, you're thinking how am I impacted by these tools? How do I really want to show up and make an impact? How do I feel about TikTok, or, you know, like, uh, And then the next piece is actually making a choice and then a strategy that feels aligned for you. Um, And I do think it goes a multiple of ways, both feeling what parts of me do I want to share? Am I being performative or purposeful? But also folks might not know about me. um, Sometimes like I get in my own head and it's not like anyone else holding myself back from sharing, but myself. Um, and so I have to be aware of that too, is I think people would want to sometimes maybe see more or, or, and and I'm, and, and that's not because of, um, yeah, that's my own demons, right? To discern about that is like, why am I not posting this? Or why am I posting this? And these are all questions that are good to go over with students as well as ourselves and our families. Um, Cause this stuff is actually much deeper than we give it credit for um, in all types of areas, both concerns for ethics and privacy, but also like defining life and value and mission and purpose. Um, social could be one tool of that for how that's expressed.
0: Yeah, a lot of uh, this relates to some of our colleagues who do identity work, um, then finding your calling and professional self and how that evolves over time to the transitions we have in our own life. The good, the the bad and the ugly. Those don't always get posted somewhere. And or if they do, um, what does that mean and how you show up? And so I wonder if there's been a time that you've been thinking like you had to put yourself out there. And I, I know that you've we'll talk a bit about your book a little bit later. Um, we'll get to kind of consulting first. But has there been a time that you're like, man, maybe I should pull back on some of these things? Or is this too much? Or am I everywhere? Or are you like, have you questioned kind of that?
1: Oh gosh. Um I think the element that I've always had to reflect on and keep in check is that my competitive person, I'm also hard on myself. So again, people wouldn't know this, but like when I see someone posting a lot or having achievements, um, I actually sometimes might go a little quiet. Um, and then, so I have to make sure I'm like, no, like, and again, it's not like that person did anything to me, but I, we we just, that self-awareness piece of like, what is, what are those triggers that we have that are um, quietly or very loudly changing how we, how our goals are actually to show up. I think the other time it was early on and it was at the same time that I was going to school and like trying on this speaker consultant hat was my partner was also having his own su- new success and internet attention. (laughs) And I was trying to navigate how I would show up in that or not. Um, like for example, at the time, because it was a whole different, like YouTube community that was finding me on Twitter, um, and Instagram. And so I thought, okay, I need to create separate accounts. So it's very clear where to follow Josie, the higher ed person versus Josie, you know, like epic Lloyd, epic rap battles of histories. You know, like sidekick. <laughs> and honestly, it was just too much work. I was like, this. I'm an efficient person. I'm like, this is too much work. And they're still finding me in other places, and I'm still me. And I still see a lot of folks out there trying the the, the dual nature of platforms. Um, And I do think if you think about your audience and the strategy, sometimes that does make sense. Um, But for me, I was just really thinking about, it's not like I'm trying to hide anything. Um, And the efficiency piece was something that I could never get behind.
0: Yeah. Part of that brings out like the idea of compartmentalization of self. Like, do I do these things in this pocket? And now all the social streams cross over and there's less boundaries. There's more seamless. And then the other part is, the comparison um that you talk about like it's easy to get lost in that comparative feature um and I think I'm like that too I was like should I putting anything out there am I doing the work and why am I talking if I'm not doing some of the work and so that's kind of been my second guessing of things as well lately or I don't know the work I'm doing so I'm not going to talk about it <laughs> like that's really I laugh <laughs> but but this is true I've been like I'm not really sure what I do or what can I describe what my transition has been in life uh, if I'm still figuring it out. So it's, it is okay to have quiet reflective spaces. And and I think your intentionality and I love how you approached it with purpose and where you are online. Um. So that's helpful to hear. Um, well, and I
1: think it's important to hear like what you just said, like I think even the most public, maybe successful people are figuring it out and, the lessons i've learned by being a consultant and entrepreneur is and i wrote about it a little bit in the book is this concept of being in beta like mm-hmm. you're going to try a thing um and and see how people respond to it i mean for me it's like okay i have a new service or i have a new program mm-hmm. and the other piece that i'm try- i've been trying to build up resiliency, doing this kind of work is you're literally putting yourself out there. Like I created this thing. My name is attached. Mm -hmm. I haven't chosen to say, you know, like something boutique agency, like it's, it's my name on stuff. Right. And, um, And it's hard not to take that personal, but at the same time, if you just get stuck then into that spiral and don't continue to innovate and move forward, um, I do think that's probably where some small businesses or kind of like houses of one, like myself, um, might find themselves going in different directions and, um, and, and some folks have like a strong sense of self and resiliency and they can, you know, I like quickly pivot around that, but I really had to invest in some um, resources so I can separate it. And when we, so we talk about separation and online and yeah. I had to both create some separation of success or even worthiness metrics because I'm an Aries, I'm like every, like like strengths, everything that would make me an achiever, a competitor, sometimes work against me um, in this type of work. Because there's also versus being on a campus where you do have some like metrics to follow. Um, the, it's, it, what, what can be exciting is the possibilities, right? And you can redefine what success is. But um, that also can feel a little bit too ominous. To And then you might start to attach metrics that you really shouldn't be basing the success off of. And that could could be like Twitter followers, the amount of people that watch a live video. But at the end of the day, too, it's a business, so you do need to make money. (laughs) It's confusing, Laura. That's what I'm saying.
0: No, it really is. And I'm glad that we're going to pivot to talk about this now because I think – yeah, you have your name out there. And it's funny, I have talked to in your class before, we've brought up the word brands, like you have a brand that's you, because that's your name everywhere versus I have a consulting on the side, because I like to do these things and people need to pay an LLC. And but the idea of stepping out into entrepreneurship comes from a mindset that you've probably been an entrepreneur, is what you've said at your institution, like I work for a company now, I'm grateful, because I can have that mindset inside a company. Um, and sometimes in higher ed, you can't. And so I get why you stepped out and are doing your own thing. And I I love to see the evolution of people's kind of like projects and passions and career. And when you are an entrepreneur, um, you can wrap into what you want to do, but then you're right. You have to measure against your own metrics of assessment and you're going to be their hardest critic, I'm sure. And I know a number of women that are really grinding out well, and I'm just so impressed Um, I couldn't do it full time. I kind of did it part time while I was job searching last fall, 2019. And I was like, this is a whole lot of work. Like, how the heck do you do it? And uh, some advice if people are like thinking about it in real talk um, on on how much work actually goes into it that's not seen Mm -hmm. behind the scenes, because you have a nice polish up front, but that's a lot of effort put in. Well, I think the
1: word choice was so spot on is mindset of as much as you invest in your website and graphics and tech tools, um, you are, to some extent, extent, we are a renewable resource, but um, also I'm getting older and (laughs) like you need to invest in your own, I mean, call it self-care, call it spirituality like whatever it is um because i have hit some big burnout bumps and i might have some an assistant kind of doing some stuff for me on the side but she can't step up and do my keynote or you know like or if i like i've had to think about with covid if i get sick um what is in my contracts to protect myself or the institutions or you know like rescheduling and things like that when it is really you. Um, And again, those are things that I don't think I thought of. Sometimes when you think about this type of work, especially maybe you're in a job right now that isn't fulfilling and you see some other colleagues doing this independent type of work and it looks sexy or exciting. I mean, before it was like, oh, you get to work from home, but like everybody works from home now, right? You get it. (laughs) Or, oh, you're traveling to all these places. Like, (laughs) no. Traveling, right? <laughs> so actually it's interesting now people are getting a taste of what this work from home thing is. And, um, and even that has its own challenges, like setting your own schedule. Um, like, Oh, you could be in your pajamas all the time, but like really like eventually I was like, no, it feels good to actually put on makeup and get on camera once in a while as some like normalcy. So the days don't just like slog together Uh, So some of it has been experienced through, like I said, through bumps and through fallout lines (laughs) and like connecting with people like you and others where I feel validated if we're kind of all kind of struggling through that or getting feedback um, in ways that I think has been very, very helpful. Uh, Again, I just can't stress the resilience piece because you could have all the knowledge, you could have the MBA or do all these certifications and training. Cause that in my head in education, Oh, I just need to have the knowledge and create the thing. But I think the, the mindset piece in this type of work has been huge because I also was very self, um, reliant. Like I could produce at work like crazy and I still can, but again, um, The other piece that I'm starting to learn, again, related to mindset, is why am I working right now on a Saturday afternoon? Oh, I'm actually working because I have a fear of because this course isn't selling like I wish it would. I actually don't, sh- I should not be working right now. Like you have to be your own checks and, or put checks and balances in for you. Sometimes I miss having a supervisor. It's really weird to say that now because my like 20 some self would be like, this would be amazing. You do whatever you want, but to give you a outside feedback that like for me, isn't my partner, right? <laughs> Cause he, he'll give me feedback. Um, So, that is also why some people invest in coaching or masterminds or different types of experiences, especially if you're a shop of one that can allow for reflecting again, getting outside of your head a bit. Um, I over time I've invested in some of those pieces and I've been very grateful for that.
0: Has there been like a specific kind of challenge or issue that you've? Kind of experience as a consultant, an independent worker, um, that people aren't, don't think about besides the, yeah, you have to plan your own schedule and you're your own boss and your feedback's going to be an iterative loop on how, <laughs> what's in your head that day and what's going on. But is there been something else that you're kind of like, th- things that people don't realize that you're like, this is also part of the lifestyle of being a consultant?
1: I think you have to. Really pay attention to what you're saying yes to from being on a podcast to taking on a consulting or a speaking engagement. And I learned that early on with pricing. And that's again where I think it's so valuable to be connected to colleagues that do this type of work or have some coaching, um, small or individual, because you can talk real about pricing. Um, I have never regretted saying no, but I, Um, in my DNA, I always want to say yes. And it was actually recently that I got an inquiry for something I've really never done before, but they saw some kind of skill set for me to do this consulting. And I was really challenged by some mentors to think through, do you want to do this because you're kind of... It feels good, right, to get an inquiry and for people to see that you have these skills. Do you actually want to do it? Not that you can't do these skills, because before, I think, my first, I would be a self-critic and be like, I can't do this thing. I've never done it before. Um, And or, oh, I can't charge this amount of money. So I've like worked through those types of issues versus, um, is this something you really want to do? Even... And, or what is the price point that you would do it for? Um, and, and not like that is unethical either. The other um, challenge that I was given um, is, cause I have so many ideas and I also think I can do them faster than I actually can, is if you do this thing, these, these two other ideas that you have, uh, them, you can't do them. Like, which would you choose? And that f- sounds so like. Obvious, but um, as a shop of one, even if you have some other folks helping you, you really need to be um, managing your time because also I find a lot of consulting contracts can get slippery with the scope very quickly. Um, and honestly, I'm still learning some of those lessons because I'm also just a giver. <laughs> I want to help, and and I have ideas. Um, so, I think that would be a little bit of lessons learned for intentionality with saying yes or no to things.
0: I think I appreciate your self awareness. I think, and Adam Grant did a really good talk on Ted, I'll put it into show notes on givers versus takers. I think it's a balance of that and knowing that you've also tapped into the community around you. I love that you brought up um, mentoring, coaching, and uh, even a mastermind, like asking people like, how much do you charge for this kind of talk? Or what did so and so make? Uh, what did that white dude make? Let's see if we can get on, on board with that. And I think sharing kind of best practice for speaking engagements has been one. Um, I've helped to develop a couple of conferences where we had like, less of Can candid talk about how we're paying people and what does a price scale based on an affinity group, a gender or whatever, we need to like raise those bars up. Cause I think there's some weird pricing out there in the world of consulting. So I'm glad that you're finding people to do that with. Um, and the other point I really think is important because uh, you said coaching, I actually ask this question a lot is if you're going to say yes to something, what are you going to say no to? And we don't do that enough. So that is a great pro tip. What are like what are some of their questions like I think about um, for me consulting I, I'll be upfront with people when you live in America uh, you have to think about healthcare care um, so if you're on your own you have to do healthcare you have to think about uh, this is like old ladies talking retirement uh, invest young invest early uh, you're not on someone's 401k or some other retirement plan. Um, And then you also have to think about safety nets. Like I was like, do I have enough money to jump and do this thing and have uh, people say three months, six months, I'd say more uh, salary that you've already made to sustain the thing you do. Are there other pieces of like, brass tack stuff that you tell put folks, have you thought about this? If you're going to need the following things, whether it's mental health support to uh, an ongoing condition or people, in your family that rely on you for something of those benefits, I guess.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, it, it definitely is another thing that like makes this work a little bit less sexy. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I know you really didn't pay attention to The additional contribution by your employer to your four hundred one k, or you know, like that you just got dental for free, but um, these things add up very. I had a back injury that I'm just recovering from, and an a health insurance crazy anyway but then really need to use those services and what's still not covered and I mean yeah don't don't get me stuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you I understand no. I had a shoulder injury during when I was out of work as well so it's hard being yeah. on but I I
1: would I would say functionally right like add up reality what those things are um that you would have to account for also taxes knowing within your state, your nation, but also if you're doing work in multiple states, like I invested in an accountant right away because uh, oh god, like W9s everywhere. <laughs> um and um
0: I suck at the accountant. I think it's they're invaluable, especially if you are you have a house or a livelihood or a partner or a family, um, or even your own person because you have the multiple state tax, Thing. It gets complicated when you do work in other places or countries. Um, so get someone that knows their tax and lawyer was my other consult consult. So if you're going to move or have a multi multi work in other countries, besides the one you live in um, it's important to have a lawyer. Like you go to experts to do the thing as much as right. you can figure it out. It's good to get advice. Right. So that's cost. They that think about.
1: Yeah. I think the reverse of it too, is because for like solo shops, um, there has been things I've invested in that have allowed me to get that thing done faster, um, both for my own sanity, but also for efficiency. And at first, it didn't feel right. Like, I'm not making that much money. How can I be paying somebody else to edit my podcast or, you know, like create some graphic design? Canva will do, right? I can use Audacity. But then my mental health suffers and i'm not releasing podcast episodes because they're taking so long right so it again is a continual process of purposeful planning spending your time really wisely and then seeing where that equation plays out so i pay for a lot more people than i think people might realize from from projects that just allow movement to happen um, so I mean, that's even another area, and maybe you grow to that part. I do think you can do a lot of great homegrown stuff. Um, and again, I think that investment of mindset that goes along the way, um, investing in coaching, investing in yourself you have to force yourself to take time off. Nobody, maybe your partner will tell you or a friend or a family member. Um, And honestly, like this is something I struggle with and I have to work really hard on because sometimes you also really enjoy the work and Mm -hmm. it's exciting and you want to do it. But um, you may not realize the reserves you actually need to build up. The other thing that I do share um, is... I could not have at the beginning and many times throughout this business have been able to sustain financially without my partner. And I do think it's important to share that openly. So, I mean, collectively, right? Like I also had a really great year when he wasn't in production. So it goes collectively. Um, so I, I especially for women that might be doing this alone without ad- additional resources, I don't wanna like lose folks sparkles, but we do need to look at things realistically. Um, Cause you may also realize a lot of other consultants of all genders have other things on the side that are maintaining them. Or you are going to stay in that job another year in order to build up, like you had said, that capital that is going to move you forward.
0: Yeah. Or you could just be a person that likes to do some things on the side. I don't, it's funny. I I think about, um, someone asked me this and I think my, actually my current boss, because I said I was doing something on the side, um, coaching is one. I was doing a training and she's like, oh, is that for your next career? I was like, no, no, I want to stay doing the thing. This is the thing that's filling me. And you said it right. You're just interested in this other thing. So I like to design animations. I like to podcast that doesn't pay me, but if someone wants to pay me, please. And I like to, (laughs) I like to coach others. And so it's filling a hole in my own work life that I could fit in off hours. And it's not always about a hustle or making money or getting the best. It's doing the work that you love. And um, it's easy to be thrown in. And I love that you said you have like a mini army of folks that are doing some of this to be realistic of two things. You're not doing it alone and scaffolding what you do, uh, whether it's uh, with a partner or if you have other people you need to attend to elderly parents, littles, um, who knows, like there's other costs that come in. um, And it's not just financial, it's, time costs. It's, yeah, you said your wellness costs, physically, emotionally, mentally. And it's also like a question of people looking to leap at some point. And I I always think about... is it that you need to leap to do this thing or do you want to job craft what you're doing or do you want to mm-hmm. sample a little side projects and involvement with people? Um, I don't know. I think it's not an, uh, this or, and or like, I don't think mm-hmm. you have to go, I'm going to be a consultant and that's it. I talked to someone in my work that did consulting for eight years and came back to industry and was like, I didn't think I'd like it until I found the right fit and it's the role and the work we're right. doing, I think.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you do a lot of work and research about uh, career and, you know, and I, I, yeah, like people ask me like, what's next for you? Or like, what would bring you back to a campus? And, and honestly, if you asked my, me those types of questions when I was in college, I would always have concrete answers for you. And maybe that's just because it was like late nineties, early two thousands. And we don't live in the world we do now. Like uh, where we are, we get to navigate and play. It's not just one direct path. Which again, like breaking out of education, which does try to put people in these paths and what success looks like. Um, eventually, it was jarring at first, but eventually, I've um, I've come to kind of embrace that and maybe not having an answer, you know, it's okay to just say, these are the things I'm going to do these next three or four months. Um, and to plan from there.
0: Yeah. I I like, uh, there's a good Swedish author. That's wrote a book called stand firm, meaning we don't need to reinvent. We don't need to self help us to the next thing. Like, can't we just be and enjoy the things we're doing? And, uh, I wonder about, um, as we look into this year ahead, um, I know that you're going to just be doing the things you are. Um, do you want to share some projects that are kind of percolating for you or our listeners that want to get a hold of?
1: So I'll continue to spread the good word about my book, <laughs> at least for another four years, since it took me four years to create um, Digital Leadership in Higher Ed. I created a companion course, especially for leaders who work on a college campus, or who want to serve in an executive role, um, to teach them skills both of uh, digital communication strategy, but also what it means to lead online, called the Connected Exec. I just released that course, and online, I have taught yeah online, I, I, self-directed, self-paced. Yep, self-paced. Cool. Um, I've taught online for almost six years now, so that was also an aha. Like, just so you have the skill set. Like, that's also the need. I was planning to do that before COVID, but I'm looking for to create more things that can um, people can grab and go with, that they don't have to just hire me as a speaker or consultant or even a coach. So whether that's like some half-day workshop that like keeps running or uh, other things like that, like I think I'm really interested in. I've always had to navigate a little bit around like the snake oil of being a small business online because there's a lot out there that you could quickly like – get into that teach you like these models and like email, blah, blah, blah. And so I've had to kind of cleanse myself of some of that. But as an educator, I think tools like that is something that I'm really interested in, in offering more and some more smaller group programs. So I experimented a little bit with, um, month long intensive masterminds to help, especially folks in student affairs, learn social media to connect their students. And I'm going to try some more things like that in the spring and summer um, for some kind of coaching and education.
0: I love it. That sounds exciting because I was looking at your last chapter in this book how prolific you were and i think 2018 this is uh, out there 2018 2019 edits um the future of digital leadership uh has been thrust into the world where adulting online and pausing for privacy these are all relevant topics uh investing in accessibility um let's see serious work real work social all of this transparent hiring practices all of this is super relevant in this year ahead and i wonder And I think it's great to hear about those group and other connected spaces that you're going to offer um, for mastermind or coaching. I wonder, um, what are some things you're hoping people are going to take moving forward for this next year as they think about the digital leadership on a campus or in the work they're doing in general? Because we're still going to be remote, whatever, everything.
1: Yeah. What's hilarious about the book is I submitted the final revisions the week before we went into lockdown in LA. Like the last time I could really get my elbows into it. And so you may love that it says nothing about COVID or the pandemic. It does talk about crisis and it does talk about things for the future. And not like, okay, I'm not, I am the youngest, I'm not trying to be a brat, but some of the things that I projected and I've always suggested many times this last year, I've been like, I told you so. Like, I've been saying this all along, (laughs) that we need to intentionally use these tools for building community, that we need leaders to show up in a transparent way, that for example, that one example of transparent hiring practices, if you're going to look up people's stuff on social media before you hire them, tell them and tell them why. And if you didn't hire them, what was it about their Instagram account that was so problematic? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so
0: um, I look forward to that. People should go and talk like, honestly, grad prep programs, uh, vulnerability and the courage to have it. I think making connections, all of these are like creating the art of creating and documenting your journey, I think are so resonant and will always be. As much as you wrote a book on like, uh, you're worried about things changing because it's a digital topic. These are like some like cornerstones of, and foundational work that we could all use. And even if we took the word digital out, it still would be relevant. So like, let's say all the Zoom rooms and whatever burnt down, like you would still be working on doing these things in some shape or form. And it now just can be uh, put together with bits and pieces. So I don't think um, I'm really glad this book comes out. And like you said non pandemic related content for those you who were looking to get away from it. Um, it's relevant. It's still relevant. So this is great. Well,
1: thank you.
0: Is there anything else that you would love to ask future consultants um, before they stepped into the role or stepped out or stepped to a side to try on whether it's speaking, training, design, um, teaching? What are you thinking?
1: I mean, actually, because I get asked so often about telling my story, giving advice, giving resources, uh, I know there's a few other folks kind of offering these coaching and masterminds and conversations about this. But um, I think I'm trying to sort out what is my role or maybe even service formally to guide. Um, and if that is just taking a phone call with people, cause I'll do that all the time, especially with other women, like I'll give you advice and feedback and support all day, but I do feel like something formal, um, that lets folks know that I'm I'm invested in you and I want to be a resource for you. So honestly, that, that would also be a question back out to listeners. Like, what do y'all need? What are your questions? What skill sets or communities do you wish you had um, that, you know, based on my stuff? And I mean, I think the other thing that I always want to do too, just like you're doing with this podcast is uh, I've got one view and I love to feature other folks that I would want to pull my resources as much as possible to give them access because that was what was so helpful. I had people come out of the woodwork when I first said on Facebook, hey, I want to be a speaker. And I my goal is to do eight engagements, even if you, all you pay me is my gas money <laughs> this year. And I met that goal within, I think it was like six months. Um, but I had people reach out like sometimes unsolicited like offering advice connecting me so i always want to be that for people to to pay that forward and you've definitely been one of those people Laura so this is neat to come full circle on chat today
0: well josie i am so honored that you can come and talk about candidly about this because i think we don't bring this up enough is like you put something out there in the world so one manifest that is what is the thing you want to do manifest that and then put it out there and ask, how can you be supported? Like, are the two things. Um, I always ask people about like, does this match your kind of why and what your purpose in life is and how and what can get you there are questions I want to ask folks. Um, It's been fun to have conversations with uh, folks like you and others around the work we're doing. Um, And sometimes they're offline. So I appreciate you pulling back the curtain of some of the work and being On transparent about the things of what it's like, the highs and lows of being a consultant, because it's not all sunshine and roses. It's uh, sometimes tough, deep, dark work that people don't realize that we get into. So I appreciate that. Before we wrap up, I like to do a rapid fire because we have some questions we ask typically most of our guests on Fab. So it'd be apropos if I didn't ask you about a go to wine or a beverage of choice when you gather with loved ones.
1: I absolutely love red Zinfandale. It's like this plummy, jammy, just goodness. <laughs> Ron Bauer, like just amazing wine, Zen, red zins.
0: Red zins. Okay, yeah. good. That's a good choice. I like red zins too. Um, what do you consider a helpful uh, resource or read that listeners should check out besides your book, which we'll put into the show notes? Uh,
1: so there's lots of podcasting apps out there, but one that I'm... Using both because a colleague friend of mine does their marketing in social, I'm a Marfo, and that's Pod Hero. Um, so I suggest you check it out. You can rate, like, comment on podcasts. So it helps with the discoverability and you could also see, you can connect like Facebook and Twitter to see what friends you have on there. So you can see, oh, all of us listened to this episode or recommended it. So it kind of adds that social element, um, which some other tools of podcasting don't have.
0: That's great. I'm going to check it out. I didn't know that one. Is there a story that's resonating with you right now?
1: I don't know if there's just one story, but I think... uh, So we are avid viewers of The Crown. Mm -hmm. And now we are about to go even deeper into the royal family culture because Netflix now is suggesting even more documentaries (sighs) to see. Because I guess also there's like people are saying... It's fi- It's not real. And Netflix is saying, "No, we're not going to change it. <laughs> this is real." So I'm. I think over the holidays, probably going to go and take a deep dive on Princess Di. Maybe I'll pick up some some books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Diana, in her own words. Um, actually, I have a pro tip for you. Um, 2020 had an episode of Love It or Leave It where he does a quiz show on The Crown. Is it true, false, or Netflix? So I'll send you that episode.
1: I listened to that podcast, but I will definitely re-listen to that one now that we are fully immersed.
0: Okay, good, good. <laughs> I love it. Uh, good luck with your investigation for some royalty that, I don't know why it still exists, but they're, they're my royalty too in Canada. Hello, hello, my queen. Hello. Um, before we wrap up, can you share something that is bringing you joy right now?
1: Well, I didn't realize this before they came into my life, but being an auntie is just all the joy I need for motherhood, honestly. Like and I just we just added one to the roster in February and finally got to meet her and I lost myself. <laughs> like, I was just and she was just like, oh I'm gonna poop in my pants right now. <laughs> um it, my nieces and my nephew are and I feel like it's maybe changing in how people are defining and choosing how to be aunts and uncles. And I don't think it's just for people that are choosing not to have their own children, but I love my aunts and uncles, but I have goals and my Husband, we want to be not just like the cool ones, but like we're making strategic choices of how we want to show up in their lives. Um, I definitely want to go on a Disney cruise with them because I think you have to go with kids, so they're my ticket. Um, but my, those kids give me so much joy, um, whether if it's on Zoom or finally
0: seeing them. Well, okay, as a fellow auntie who is child free by choice as well, um, give me some pro tips because I feel like I'm like subpar in my aunt. I've got ten between the families.
1: Well, that's a lot. I got four.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, what are your goals? Is it your what are your aunt goals? I can borrow from you.
1: Well, one thing that I started was a tradition for their. Uh, their birthdays is the girls all got a charm bracelet and every year I'm giving them a charm based on something like a memory that year or something they were really into like a llama or mermaid or something. And then as their wrist gets bigger, we'll get a larger one. I honestly need to figure out what that is for my nephew, Riken. So I've had some auntie guilt. I'm like, oh no, I have to make this even. But we're even thinking about that for Christmas gifts, because these kids get so much. I'm like, I would want my gift not to just be like their favorite, right? But like, what's going to actually stick around for a few years? Maybe that's a piece of art that goes up in their room or again, like something. So it's both like some physical stuff. Um, And sometimes I just also think about the future with phones, right? Like they will probably someday get a phone and like, well, maybe we always have like this tradition that we text each other at this time or, I mean, I don't know. I think it's like really little things that don't, not the trip on Disney cruise lines, those big things that have so much pressure to them. I want to do little things that are, um, that also provide some grounding, especially since I'm so far away. Um, at least right now that having some of those things that we all can count
0: on. All right, we're going to have to anti-swap shop later because I too, I'm thinking about more experiences and being yeah. far away is a hard thing. So we'll talk, we'll talk offline. Is there anything else I didn't ask you that you just want to bring up for the good of the cost? I mean, I think if I was, whether
1: consulting or you you work with an organization, a thing, a action that is always paid off for me, whether if it's what I post on social media or just like investment in my time period is um is investing in other people it comes back twofold or t- Tenfold, I don't know. Whatever folds, there's lots of folds, and uh, w- and it could be super simple. Whether like you listen to this podcast and you tweet it out, or another th- an, an article that someone wrote, especially if there are folks that you really want to lift up, um, don't assume other people are doing it and giving them recognition. And and this time of year, whether it's the holidays or the new year, um, I do think we need more of that. And and when it really is genuine. Not just to do it for doing's sake. So, um, and that is something that I did. For example, going through my Jock program, I would tweet to any scholar I was reading, and honestly, a lot of them weren't on Twitter. So it wasn't like I was always doing this, but that was one way to be like, this article really resonated with me. And many times they would tweet me back. We would connect, and then all of a sudden, someone I was citing and writing about was as a colleague and not just someone I was citing. And I think we can continue to do that in platforms both publicly and privately.
0: I think it's important. Connect over a thing you like, an interest, a passion, an idea, a funny joke. Uh, I think that's a great, it's a many folds. It's a pleated praise that's really good oh please <laughs> <laughs> all right throwback time is over well josie i am so thrilled that you could join us and spend some time today um I, we really appreciate this and our listeners you can connect with josie we'll put all the links of where you can find her good work and uh stay in touch and see what she's up to um so thanks so much
1: yeah happy new year y'all
0: happy new year to catch the next episode Be sure to subscribe to InVinoFab wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at InVinoFab and we'll always welcome comments and messages sent by tweet, private message, or email at InVinoFabulum at gmail.com. Cheers! Cheers!